0: All right. Hello, Christ Community. Greetings to our West Campus and our Traditions Venue that meet, uh, Traditions Venue meets at 15th Street and then our our West Campus meets at Northridge. Welcome to all of you. Uh, So glad that all of you are here and that you're a part of what God is doing at Christ Community. There are so many wonderful things happening at this church. I am continually amazed at what is going on globally and locally and in our lives as a result of God's work through this church. In fact, I want to take a moment and share there's something cool that has recently happened In our For the City and Beyond vision From the start of this vision 18 months ago, our focus has been To strategically and compassionately Move towards specific needs In our city and around the world In terms of, of poverty and refugees And children, all of that And one thing that we knew early on Is that there are, already, there are some great people and organizations Kind of already working in some of these areas So rather than duplicating efforts We wanted to figure out How we could better come alongside and help some of these organizations that are furthering these causes This heartbeat in our city Well a few months ago, God orchestrated something pretty amazing Our church was given a tax, tax-exempt charitable organization And we have renamed and refocused that organization around this vision And so today I want to officially introduce the For the City Network The For the City Network I'm so excited about the For the City Network because it now provides a way for us as a church to help network and resource people, organizations, churches, and businesses to help make a difference in these things that we care about. This is so much bigger, this whole For the City thing, it is so much bigger than Christ's community. So one one of the cool things that has already happened as a result of this newly formed for the city network is that we have and this is just a few weeks old here but but we have already we have created a community co-officing space at Zoe's downtown for people, entrepreneurs, and nonprofit organizations to help meet their need for office space. Many of these organizations they just need space to have an office. So we're helping meet the need for office space and a need for kind of a networking community. So currently, we have co-officing down at Zoe's. We have co-officing a single mom ministry, a multicultural ministry to refugees, a camel milk business, a, our new food truck, and an extension of our our kids hope ministry. And we have a great team of Christ community people leading this for the city network. And I believe God is going to use this to increase his heartbeat and his impact in this city. So thank you so much to all of you who are so generously supporting this for the city and beyond vision. The impact is growing and I believe it will continue to do so. It's really cool. Okay, so we are continuing our teaching series from the book of Luke. We're calling this series Reality Check, because in these chapters in the middle of the book of Luke, Jesus gives us this major reality check regarding life. And we all need this regularly, right? It is so easy for us to get caught up in the busyness and the stuff of everyday life, and that we lose sight of what is real, of what is true, of what ultimately brings life. And nowhere is this more the case, than in the area of money and possessions. In our consumeristic culture, we can easily get lulled to sleep by the world's approach to money and possessions, and we completely miss God's heart. We miss God's value system, and the consequences of that are extremely significant. So early on in Luke chapter 12, Jesus describes two specific consequences that we looked at in the last two weeks. Our lives will be either ruled by the emptiness of greed, which we looked at two weeks ago, or our lives will be filled with fear. Looked at that last week. Both of these realities bring us into bondage. They restrict our hearts. So that's the world's approach. But God's approach to finances does the opposite. See, God's approach to finances brings freedom and joy and life. I mean, Jesus' words here that we're going to see today, his words here are not only a reality check, they are actually an invitation to us into fullness of life. And as we're going to see, this invitation hinges upon one critically important experience. God's approach to money and possessions hinges upon this one thing, generosity, generosity. All of Jesus' discussion about greed and fear that we've been looking at the last two weeks, all of that leads to this ultimate challenge given by Jesus in chapter 12 of Luke, verse 33, where Jesus says, sell your possessions and give To the poor. See, that's God's pathway into life. Rather than being filled with greed or fear, Jesus says, I want you to live a generous life. I want your heart to grow in generosity, which raises a really, really important question Is it, is your heart, is my heart growing in generosity? Do we have a generous heart? It's a really important question. You know, a friend of mine um, just told me a couple of days ago. He told me about something that happened to him last week. I'm um, here in Greeley. He rides the bus to work and back, and he always takes three dollars every morning. So a buck fifty of that goes towards the fare for um, to work, and then a buck fifty pays for the fare on the way back back home. And so he was waiting in line that particular day after his work to come to go back home. So he was waiting in line to get on the bus and um, had his $1.50 ready and he noticed this woman kind of beside the line there and she was obviously trying to find $1.50 to ride the bus and it was very clear that she didn't have this. She didn't have the money to ride the bus. And so he said to me there that he was wrestling with what to do, right? And so it didn't take long. He just gave for his dollar 50 knowing that it would mean a two-hour walk home and he said to me that was not about the buck 50 that was about my heart was i willing in that moment to step into generosity when it wasn't easy to do so See, the conversation that Jesus is having with us in this passage is not ultimately about this amount or that amount or this percentage or that percentage. No, it is about our hearts. Is your heart, is my heart, are they? Are our hearts growing in generosity? That's the issue. And so what Jesus does in these three verses is show us how that can happen in a greater way in our lives. How can our hearts grow in generosity? This is going to be the This is fun this is fun stuff so look with me Luke chapter 12 verses 32 to 34 in fact why don't we read this out loud together these amazing three verses here let's read this out loud together do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to the poor provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is God's word. Okay, so in this amazing passage here, powerful passage, there are three specific things that Jesus urges us to set our heart upon. Because again, when we set our heart upon these things, generosity will just be instinctive. It's all about the heart. Generosity will be more instinctual, more more, more, um, intentional response for us. It will become just a way of life. It's all about our heart. We will experience his freedom and and joy rather than greed and fear. So, three things we're to set our heart upon. The first thing Jesus urges us to set our heart upon is the abundance of the kingdom. The abundance of the kingdom. Look again at what he says in verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, a few verses earlier in chapter 12... In this passage, Jesus tells us to not set your heart upon what you'll eat or drink, but instead to seek the kingdom. That's what he said. Those are the words. And now he says here that God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. See, Jesus is urging us to set our hearts upon the kingdom, upon his kingdom. Now, the word kingdom here represents the fullness of God's domain. It speaks of God's abundance and and resources, all of the blessings and the provision that God has at his disposal. Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't be afraid, little flock, as if your resources are limited and lacking. No, no, no. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God loves you and is freely giving to you all the blessings of the kingdom, spiritually and emotionally and financially. See, the question here is, what is your heart focused on? Your limited resources or God's abundant resources? Now let me let me God's abundant kingdom, really. So let let me put this, let me try to put this in kind of a word picture here. For most of us. We view our resources through the lens of a pie chart, this circle that divides up our resources in various sized slices. Okay, most of us view our resources as being contained within this boundary, right? This limited circle, which means if I give this much away, that I'll only have this much left to live on. So if I give eight percent or thirteen percent of my income to the God to God's work, then there's going to be less in the pie. Now, of course, this is true at a very practical accounting sort of level, but since when is God limited by CPA's spreadsheets, right? Since when is God limited by that? In fact, I almost didn't want to show you that pie chart because who likes pie charts, right? None of us. They're nothing but walls. They're nothing but boundaries. And maybe when you saw that that pie chart image when it came on the screen a moment ago, you, you had flashbacks of budget meetings at work, right? And you felt this internal groan. Oh, a pie chart. You felt this internal groan, perhaps. That's good. That's good that you felt that because that's Jesus' perspective too. (laughs) Jesus is saying to us, don't look at your resources with a pie chart mentality, which fosters this sense of limit and lack. No, Jesus says, look at your resources through a kingdom lens. See, rather than a pie chart, imagine yourself standing on the edge of the ocean. And God is saying, this is all mine it is all mine and because of that it is all yours as children of the king of the universe your resources are not limited (laughs) your resources are not limited we have a father in heaven who has given us the kingdom everything he has is ours there is an abundance to it that we often can't even fathom and so because of that, so often we live with this sense of lack, this hoarding, this penny-pinching mentality. I mean, you ever know someone like this? We see it and everyone knows it's not ourselves. But, but you know, but let's just pick on other people anyway, right? Uh, so, but you ever know someone like this? Their bank account would reveal that they're millionaires, okay? But they're the tightest people you know they don't tip generously they drive across town to save a penny on a gallon of gas they live like paupers, and we sort of chuckle at that you know and yet we do it all the time because our god has given us the kingdom and yet we're living and giving as if we're poverty poverty stricken orphans Oh, it's such a burden to give. Oh, we can't afford to be that generous. And our Father in heaven is looking down thinking, but I've given you the kingdom. I've given you the kingdom. I have given you all you need and more. I promise to provide for you. Why are you hanging on so tightly? Do you not trust me, little flock? Now, there's something really amazing we discover when our hearts move away from this pie chart mentality. And that is this here's what we discover you can't outgive God. You can't. You cannot outgive God. The more you give to Him, the more blessings come your direction. Now, I'm not just making this up. This is all the place, everywhere in the Bible, it's all over the place. But one particular passage that I want to mention is. Uh, A few chapters earlier in the book of Luke Chapter 6 look at what Jesus says to us Give And it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We use a little cup. That's what gets measured back to us. We use a bushel basket. That's what, gets, that's what he's saying here. That's the analogy he's using. In other words, here's the deal we got to get this. When we live with a perspective of lack, we limit the blessings that come our way. That's what he's saying. When we live with this spirit of lack, when we live with this, this, this perspective of lack, we actually limit the blessings that come our way. We're determining the measurement that is used in those blessings coming to us. We limit our experience of the abundance of God's kingdom. In fact, notice here the order of Jesus' words. We, we don't really, I don't know if we realize the order here. It's really, really important. Notice the order of his words. Give, and it will be given to you. You give, and it will be given to you. In other words, you go first. Jesus is saying, you go first. You step out in that moment when it's hard, the bus fare thing, when it's hard to be generous. In that moment, you step out, even when it's hard. And once you take that step, you just watch me pour out blessings upon you. See, these intentional choices of generosity on our part... Actually, open the door for the abundance of the kingdom to be poured out. They enable us to experience God giving us the kingdom. They enable us to experience what Jesus is describing here. You cannot outgive God. Just try it sometime. You can't. You cannot outgive God. I remember hearing, um, and I've mentioned this a few times, just an amazing example of this: a guy named R.G. Laterno um, who invented earth-moving machinery. Okay. And this will come back in just a moment. So think about these earth moving machinery. He invented this several decades ago. His business just grew, right? And as his business grew, he decided he was going to give God 90% and he was going to live on 10%. Uh, And so he did that. He did that, and God just continued to bless him and continued to provide. His generosity, I mean, made a huge impact in the kingdom. He was given all over, millions of millions. It was just amazing, really. His generosity, huge impact. And I love this quote. I'll never forget this quote from R.G. Letourneau. And remember, he's an earth-moving machinery, right? This was the quote. He used to say, I shovel money out, but God keeps shoveling it back, and God has a bigger shovel, I keep shoveling it out, and God keeps shoveling it back, but I'm discovering God has a way bigger shovel than I do. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to be a person who is continually discovering how big God's shovel is because of the choices that I'm making to be generous. I don't want to live with a pie chart mentality. I want to live with an ocean perspective of the kingdom. And by the way, my friend told me as he was walking home after giving his bus fare to this woman, he actually found $1.50 on the sidewalk. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that God always gives back that way and that direct, I'm not saying that, but you gotta admit, it was a cool reminder of Jesus' words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid to step into generosity. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, <laughs> the abundant kingdom. Don't be afraid. It's almost an adventure he's inviting us into. You can't outgive God. Second thing God urges us to set our heart upon is the needs of others the needs of others. And again, when we set our heart upon these things, the idea is that generosity is going to happen, okay? Jesus says in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now notice, Jesus doesn't give a lot of specific information here. He doesn't give specific items to sell. If you have something more than this, that's more valued more than this, you need to sell that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't get into that thing. He doesn't give a specific percentage. Specific percentage and he doesn't tell us to sell all your possessions. He doesn't say that here. What what he's going after here is the heart. He's calling us, he's commanding us to practice generosity in a very real, very practical, very open-handed way, in a way that actually costs us something. To sell a possession is hard, right? Because it means letting go of something we value. There's a sacrificial aspect that Jesus is implying here, kind of a challenge, actually. Now notice where Jesus urges this generosity to be directed. He says, sell your possessions and give To the poor. Now, the the Greek word for poor is not actually used in this passage. It's not. Um, What this verse literally says in the original language is give with compassionateness. I think that's a word, Um, but it is actually, um, because I didn't get a spell check here on my iPad. So uh, give with compassionateness. In other words, give with a heart that is filled with compassion towards people in need. See, Jesus is saying, let your heart, let your heart be touched with other people's needs in such a way that you want to be generous towards them. You want to help them with that need. Again, this is a heart issue. It's what we set our heart upon. When our heart is set upon accumulating for ourselves, we naturally experience greed and and fear. But when our heart is set upon the needs of others, suddenly we see our resources differently. We see our resources differently. That we see our resources through this lens. This is a way I could help this person, right? We, we see uh, our resources as a way to meet a specific need. Now, from a biblical perspective, this is not only referring to people's physical needs. It's also referring to people's spiritual need, their need for Jesus. Our giving our generosity should reflect the heart of Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost. So when Jesus urges us to give with compassionateness, with compassion, it is a command to be very strategic and very intentional with our giving, to make sure it is being invested wisely and effectively in kingdom ministry, in helping people find Jesus and grow in their relationship with Jesus. Now, all this talk about helping others is really important, but it does raise a significant issue that I often wrestle with, and I'm sure you do as well. What needs do we give to? What needs do we give to? There are so many needs around us. We are inundated with appeals for money all the time. Responding to a flood over here, or a GoFundMe appeal from a friend or a family member or a neighbor in a financial crisis or a Christmas catalog we get in the mail from a worthwhile relief organization. And honestly, included in this list are appeals from our church as well, right? So what do we do with all that? How do we navigate this? I mean, our compassion moves us to respond when our heart is on this, our compassion is going to move us to respond. And and part of this is what God is saying here. We want to be open to his leading. We want to give generously as he leads. But to be honest, there's a concern here. There's a concern that I have. There's a tension that I feel. And I want to talk about a distinction here that I'm not sure we often think about, but it is a concern I have. I feel like many of us Christians, those of us who are Christ followers here, I feel that many of us are pulled more and more toward the instant emotional response to these immediate and pressing needs that are always around us. And we're losing sight of the power of consistent, committed giving that provides sustainable, long-term impact. I think both of these are needed There's a place for responding to immediate and pressing needs, and there is also a place for investing in sustainable ministry long term. And this is where the local church is so powerful and unique. The local church is God's plan A to meet people's spiritual and physical needs through the gospel. The church, folks, the church is not a building. It is not. It is a gathering of people who are serving together and loving together and pursuing God's vision and heart together. So when we give to our church, we are a vital part of what God is doing. We are being the church. We are caring for that couple whose marriage has fallen apart. We are caring for that kid's hope child at Maplewood. We are, we are not just donors, We are active agents in what God is doing through our church. So for me and for Raylene and I, this is why our biggest giving priority is to our church, to this church. This is why. Because we know when we give to the general ministry budget, we are are helping change people's stories. Marriages are being healed. Children are coming to Christ. People are experiencing love and support through e-groups. And we are a part of that by giving to this general minister, but we know we're a part of that. And we also know that by giving to for the city and beyond, we are helping. We are helping rescue girls from sex trafficking in India, and we are we are empowering hundreds hundreds of men in a prison in Peru to follow Jesus and share the gospel with other inmates. We are helping Syrian refugees in in Jordan. We are helping Iranian refugees in Austria. I mean, excuse yeah, in, in Austria, it's amazing ministry there. When, when, and, and when I think about the impact that a, having a permanent West Christ Community campus, a permanent campus will do in this region in terms of helping people come to know christ helping people grow in their relationship with christ or when i think about this new for the city network that's the impact that's going to have in our city i want to give to my church because i get to be a part of all that See, what I love about investing in our church is that we are, we as a church, we are compassionately moving towards people in need globally and locally. And we're not doing so in a quick, immediate, you know, overnight sort of way, which sometimes honestly can be kind of unhealthy. Rather, we are doing so in a long-term way. We're doing so in a way that says we are in relationally and we're in financially. We are with you long-term. We are here. We are here, and we're going to continue to be here, loving people and helping them grow in Christ. We're here. That's the, the power of the local church. I mean, think of the thousands of lives who have been impacted through the ministry of this church, and you are the church. You are the church. You are part of that impact. I love being a part of a church like ours. And I believe with all my heart that one of, this is really important, I believe with all my heart, honestly, one of the most strategic ways I can invest financially in meeting people's spiritual needs and the kingdom of God advancing is through this local church. I believe that's the most strategic way I can invest in the advancement of God's kingdom. And I long for every one of us here to see our church in a similar way. Again, this is not an either-or. It is a both-and. Yes, God wants us to respond to the immediate needs that are all around us, absolutely, and I want to keep growing in that as well. And, yes, God also wants us consistently investing in His plan A to reach the world, this imperfect but beautiful thing known as the local church. So as we set our heart upon the needs of others, Let's ask God to show us how he wants us to respond to all these needs. How does he want us to respond? How he wants us to give to, in both of these ways to meet these needs. Okay, there's a third thing Jesus urges us to set our heart upon so that we can grow in our hearts and generosity. A third thing. One, we already talked about the needs of others, right? We've already talked about these other two. And here's the third thing. That is our rewards in heaven. Our reward's in heaven. Right after Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or give with compassion, literally, he then says this. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out "...a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys." See, Jesus is saying that when we give generously here in this life, we are actually storing up treasure in heaven. And unlike earthly wealth here, these treasures in heaven will never rust, they'll never be stolen, they will never wear out. We will be able to enjoy them throughout eternity." Now, I know that sometimes Christians, you know, we're hesitant sometimes to talk about or to focus on rewards in heaven. You know, it feels kind of self-serving if I'm giving in order to get rewards. You know, it kind of gets all messed up in our head. But listen, folks, Jesus didn't have any problem talking about this. He talked about it all the time. He didn't have any problem talking about this and urging us to focus on this. In fact, he says it point blank. Here's what he's saying. One of the reasons to be generous in this life is because you will be rewarded for that generosity in the next life. It is without apology that he says this. I mean, think about this. If I told you about a certain investment that you could make right now that would, and, and it would guarantee it would guarantee to pay you back a thousand times more than you invested would you be interested in that every one of us would be signing up for that financial seminar right we would sign up in a heartbeat so why is it that when Jesus tells us about this kind of guarantee this kind of investment our response is sort of eh. why is that I mean, what is that about? Why do we do that? Here's why. We don't live with eternity in view. We don't. We don't live with eternity in view. Our heart, our focus is on this life in this world. That's what we're focused on. I remember hearing an analogy, maybe you've heard this too, where imagine eternity is like a line, right? Right? It's like a line stretching all the way that way, and this way, this long line. And our lives, in the scheme of eternity, this 60, 70, however many years we have here, in the scheme of eternity, our lives are like a dot on that line. There's this whole line, and our lives are like a dot. And where do we focus? On the dot. We live for the dot. We focus on the dot, right? We invest in the dot. When Jesus is saying, look at the line, trust me, folks. Look at the line. There, this is just a small part. He is urging us to consider eternity, to look at this line, the line of eternity, to invest in that. I wonder, we're so focused on the dot here. I wonder, I wonder how different our view is gonna be one day when our life is over. And all our money and possessions that we were so concerned about and so focused on, those things are left, they're back on earth, someone else is enjoying them. Or they're rusting on a garbage dump somewhere. And we're we're, we're in heaven looking at our rewards. And I wonder, will we be thinking, how, how foolish I was. All those things on earth that I spent so much money on are gone. They are gone. Why didn't I invest in treasures that I could have enjoyed throughout eternity? Why didn't I believe Jesus' words? Well, Jesus actually gives us the answer. He gives us the answer to that question in the last verse of this passage. Look at verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what is it that you and I treasure... Because that's where our money will be invested and spent. Because that's, that's where our heart is. Our money always follows our heart. Always. It follows our treasure. Which is why Jesus' words here in this passage are so important. Every day, folks, every day, you and I, and I'm in this too, you and I are in the midst of a battle for our hearts as it relates to money. This is not an easy topic. This is hard to talk about. It's hard to live out. But it is our reality. We have a choice each and every day to view this area through the lens of the world, earn more, spend more, buy more, find your life and money and things. We can live that way, or we can view this through the lens of Jesus, setting our hearts on the abundance of the kingdom and on the needs of others and on on our rewards in heaven. And when we set our heart on those things, we will actually want to grow in generosity. We actually will want to grow in generosity no matter where we're at in this experience. If we've never given ever before, Or maybe we've been a tither, you know, 10% tither for years. Or maybe we've even given beyond that. Doesn't matter. We will all want to grow in this area because we will realize there is so much more. There is so much more God has in store for us. There is so much more he wants to do in and through us. Just two weeks ago, I remember talking with a brother after a service here. He came up and he was, he was just sharing. He said, Man, I, I cheated God. He's this kind of retired age guy. I cheated God for so many years, he said. I cheated God. I knew, you know, tithing, he wasn't really doing that tithing thing, just here and there I'd get, but I just, I was cheating God for so many years. And then he said, A few days ago, I was listening to someone share, I think it was maybe a friend of his or someone on the radio or something, but he heard this story someone share about how they were actually getting a second job so that they could be more generous. They were actually getting a second job so they could give more. And when he heard that, he was like, man, I think I've missed out on this generosity thing. I can't imagine. Here's a person looking for ways to be more generous. And I've spent so much of my life just cheating God. He had tears in his eyes. I mean, God was working his heart. It was a really, really cool story he was telling me. But there's so much more here in our story. What is is God saying to each one of us in our story? I I want us to watch a video story of a couple in our church who are on this journey of generosity. They're just asking God, how can we grow in this area? So let's let's watch this this video.
1: I'm Jamie. This is Sarah, my wife. We're the Bustlers. So we're stewards of a second generation home building company here in Greeley.
2: We're invited to what was called a JOG. It was a weekend and we went to Tennessee and JOG stands for Journey of Generosity.
1: You know, prior to that Journey of Generosity, if somebody had asked me if if I was generous or if we were generous, I mean, sure, you know, I write a check and financially support some different ministries in, in the church. and. Um, but that's really it.
2: But it was basically hearing other people's stories of extreme generosity was really inspiring to us. And it was an entire weekend where we got to digest it. So at the journey of generosity, we were exposed to an acronym for giving. Uh, And the concept is so different from just giving money. It's being generous with your life and life in that word, each letter stands for something. L is for labor, I is for influence, F is for finances, E is for expertise. And we all have something to give.
1: As we came back to, to work and within the business, I was able to explore other ideas of how to be generous and recognizing that we really can build a culture focused on people, I and mean, it's the Lord's company already, I recognized an entirely new thought process, and I'm um, pretty strategically minded, and, and really came back and go, I have to have a giving plan. And um, what that can look like is um, actually one of, one of the gifts you can give is a gift of an appreciated asset. And from a, a, a financial perspective, there's a, it's an incredibly powerful gift because um, the reality is we could give 30 to 40% more, um, gifting an, an appreciated asset. So it's just a whole other realm that I've never explored and um, could provide additional financial impact on some of the base things we had done. And, and we've made some progressions where we, we now offer volunteer time off and strongly encourage uh, our team members to use that volunteer time off um, to, to go to different charities or ministries or wherever somebody else's passions lie. They have time available. We're giving them time at work to go do that and not take it from their family.
2: The generosity that we're experiencing is really based on the principle that it is God's and we're just stewards of it. We're, we're just here to take care of it, to to help it go forth and multiply. Just be that pipeline of giving what's God's and directing it to where maybe he's putting on our hearts and it's been a huge blessing. I think the important thing for Jamie and I is that we have different abilities and being able to give, honestly, the best thing it's done for us is it's made our marriage better. We want to continue being generous, we want to grow in generosity. And we want to leave our our footprint, if you will, in our in in the sand as far as just one of many where it starts to be more and more. So so here's the deal.
0: God wants our hearts to grow in this area of generosity, and he knows what that looks like for each one of us in our particular situation. We just saw one story of a couple in their journey of generosity. That's their story. That's not your story. What is your story in generosity? What is God saying to you about your next step in this heart journey of generosity? Generosity. Let's, let's pray. So I want us to, um, just to kind of sit in that question here, prayerfully. And I realize there's a lot to process. And this is just a few moments here. And the encouragement would be, let's just continue to seek the Lord about this. But what is God saying to you? In, in your journey. Don't focus on anyone else's journey. It's your journey. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask, as we're just kind of sitting in this place, I want to ask you to speak to us just in these three areas of where our heart is focused, in, in the area of of the abundance of the kingdom. Lord, are there, are there areas in our lives, or are there places where we're just we're, we're using a pie chart. We're, we're, we're just a, a, a poverty mentality rather than children of the king. And would you help us? Would you help us just grow as children of the kingdom to realize what it means that everything you have is ours and we don't need to be afraid? So I pray for that. Help us grow. And I I want to pray as well, Lord, just as we're in this place of asking you about the needs of others. And often many of us, we're just inundated with requests all the time. And would you help us think through this, through a kingdom lens? And also through a a short-term kind of and long-term lens, you'd help us to see how we can most strategically invest these resources to help people compassionately. And I want to pray too, Lord, that you would help us. Forgive us for living for the dot, for just focusing so much of our efforts on this life when you continually speak of eternity and rewards throughout eternity, forgive us for being so focused on the dot that we miss the line. We're not investing as much for the line. And I pray you would help us in our hearts to see and live with eternity in view. So in light of that, I'm going to go back to that question just, just to sit in for a moment. What is, what is God saying to you is your next step in your story of generosity? That's such a great question is not a question most of us can't answer in 30 seconds and Lord we just acknowledge that we, but we don't want to set this question aside because it's, we know it's at the heart of your heart for us and so I pray for each one of us to go before you maybe even in the rest of the service or in, a, in, in some prayer time very soon we're, we're asking you God what is this next step what, what, what is growing my heart and generosity look like I pray we would have the courage to say yes and we would experience again as that order give and then it will be given to you. I pray we would step into this place more and more and we would see and experience the fullness of your kingdom and see people's lives being impacted because of our generosity. And so I just pray for that to be stirred in us. And then there's one other thing that I want us to set our heart upon And that's kind of leading us into a particular response of worship. And that is Jesus who was so generous to us. He was and is so generous. He gave his life for us on the cross. And this is the heart of generosity, right? It is falling more in love with him because of his generosity to us. And so in just a moment, the worship team is going to be leading some songs of worship. And we have the privilege of partaking of the Lord's Supper. And I want us to do that with a particular focus in our time together. First of all, let me just say that if anyone can partake, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've received his gift of forgiveness, we encourage you to partake. So if if that's you, I want to encourage you as the songs are playing, as as we're worshiping, whether you're seated or standing, just whatever posture, heart posture you're in, just let's partake of the bread and the juice, remembering Jesus' gift and his generosity to us and being so grateful for all he has given us in salvation in the hope of eternity in heaven and his Holy Spirit living in us and his kingdom that is ours. So let's partake with grateful hearts. And as you do that, you can do it whenever your heart is ready. You can go to a table and take a piece of bread and then dip it in the cup. And then um, you can partake right there. You can go back to your seat. So let me just pray for us as we kind of lead into this particular response. God, thank you for being such a generous God to us. Jesus, you gave your life. You came to earth. You left the comforts of heaven. You came to earth for us. And then you said yes to a cross, a horrible death that you didn't deserve, but you did for us. And we're so grateful. And we pray that as we focus on that gift as we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we sing these songs of worship, our hearts would be so filled with gratitude to you for the amazing God you are, and the generous God you are, and how we are recipients of that generosity. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. Set us free to worship you. So why don't we stand? Um, If you want to sit at some point or even remain seated right now, that's fine. But let's just begin standing. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for the cross.